Welcome to Let's Talk Learning Disabilities with Lori Peterson and Abby Weinstein. Lori and Abby spend their days talking about dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, and ADHD. They talk to parents of struggling students and adults who have had a lifetime of academic challenges. They want to share those stories along with their own insights with you. So, let's talk learning disabilities. everybody, this is Lori. And this is Abby. Welcome to episode 79 of Let's Talk Learning Disabilities. Wow. We have a very, I know we always say we have a very special episode, but today's yes. kind of extra special because we have a whole bunch of people joining us today. Today, we are in Austin for our annual director's retreat. We are in Lago Vista, just outside of Austin, in a beautiful home that backs up to the lake. And we have been spending the day talking about all things testing and learning and it's been awesome. So we thought it'd be really fun to introduce our directors and have a little roundtable discussion and just get some information and share with you guys kind of some feedback and let you get to know the directors of our other offices. Right. So we have four other ladies with us today. Um, Christina, we're going to start with you. Christina is our director in the Woodlands. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Christina. Tell us where you live and how you got started. Yes, my name is Christina. I am the director in the Woodlands, Texas. Um, I was a teacher for about four years. I taught fourth grade all four years, and um, I really enjoyed working with the small kiddos, and then I transitioned to working as a diag in Cypress Fairbanks. Um, I was there for about two years, and then I found Lori, and I've been working in the Woodlands testing and um, the director for almost... Two and a half years. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what do you like to do in your free time? In my free time. Or something special or interesting yes, about I you? Yes, I have two almost three-year-olds that I like. I spend all my time with. And um, when I'm not with them, I enjoy being with my husband or Sleeping. reading. <laughs> Sleeping. Yes. <laughs> Hanging out with my friends. <laughs> not a lot of free time. Not a lot of free time, but um, yeah, I'm soaking, soaking it all in. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, Charlotte, tell us a little bit about you. So I'm Charlotte Manning. I'm the director in Houston, Texas, and I've been in the field of education for like 29 years where I've served students in A-Leaf Independent School District and Katy Independent School District. Um, I actually was working part-time with Lori in DLS for about four years before I was presented with the opportunity of coming on full-time as the Houston director. So this is my second year as the Houston director. And in my spare time, I enjoy karaoke <laughs> and dancing and having fun, spending time with family. What's your favorite TV show, TV show Charlotte? My favorite TV show <laughs> of all times would be Will of Fortune, <laughs> followed by the Golden Girls. <laughs> she does not miss an episode. Right. All right, Pearl, our newest member. Uh, yeah, Pearl Garza-Nahosa. I'm the newest, newest member of Diagnostic Learning Services in the Austin area. Um, I have been in education for about 23 years, um, mostly in special education. Um, I've done a number of positions in the special education realm. Um, so I've taught, um, I've also been a supervisor. Um, and then as I was in my supervisory position with my first um, district, um, I decided that I wanted to 
get a master's degree and I found that there was a master's in special education with the certification as an educational diagnostician. Um, and in that position, we uh, didn't have in-house diagnosticians. We contracted a lot. And so I felt like, well, I can do both, um, which was a huge endeavor <laughs> in that time. I, you know, uh, had a lot more energy. I was much younger back then, but um, that kind of is why I went into the educational diagnostician field is to go ahead and supplement for where we lacked in that district. Um, and then I just kept going with the special education uh, field and so since 2012, I've done a lot of educational diagnostician work, um, you know, worked to the school districts for quite some time. And then I was contacted by Diagnostic Learning Services and was offered a really great opportunity um, to come to the private sector. Um, it sounded like a wonderful opportunity. And so long story short, I'm here now um, and I'm super happy. We're happy you're here. We are yeah. so happy you're here. What do you like to do in your free time? Oh, gosh. Well, now that uh, my son is grown, he's 23, I I can do a lot of whatever I want. So I've joined uh, Diva Dance, which is a hip-hop, adult hip-hop dance class um, that I do in the evenings at least once a week because um, I love to dance. I've always have them. I also enjoy karaoke a lot, so we got to set that up at some point. Um, you know, I'm a super big Christmas person, so Christmas is my thing. I go all out and love Hallmark movies, so that's what I'll be doing all weekend, every weekend, unless I'm, you know, have other obligations. <laughs> awesome. All right. And we have Lori number two. I'm Lori Wilkinson. I am uh, the current director at the Fort Worth location um, for diagnostic learning. I've been here about two years now. Um, previous to that, I was a, a diagnostician in the school districts, local school districts around the area for around 16 years. Prior to that, I was a teacher of special education for about 12 years. Um, totaling about 28 years before retiring in 2018. I, um, since then, have worked part-time for some local school districts here as well. Um, what do you like to do in your free time? My free time? I Actually, I feel like still I don't have a lot of free time, but um, I really like to travel. Um, I like to spend time in nature. I like to spend time with friends. And I enjoy spending time with my grown children. Oh, that's that's sweet. And you guys know Lori and I pretty well through <laughs> us sharing so many personal stories and experiences throughout all of our different episodes. But I'm curious, Lori uh -huh. Peterson, what do you like to do in your free time? And what's something interesting about you that our listeners may not know? Ooh, I feel like I've pretty much shared it all. Um, in my free time, um, I do enjoy reading. And I am a little bit of a puzzle fanatic, which, you know, I got hooked on during COVID. Mm -hmm. um, my husband, Tim, who works with us, we play a lot of golf when we have time. And we do enjoy that, although it can be incredibly frustrating, but it's fun. Mm -hmm. um, and something interesting about me, gosh, Abby, you really got me there. I don't know. Um, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that would be like random and strange because I'm kind of boring, but I do well, really love puzzles, which I think do. is a little bit weird. And you have like a special puzzle table that yeah, is I for do. puzzles. <laughs> but I think maybe something interesting is 
you and your husband are first time um, empty nesters. Almost. 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 We still have one more. Oh, at home. that's right. We have I'm a sorry, junior. Yep. No, but we did just take my baby to college, so that was a little rough. But yeah. Yeah. We we uh, we are growing in our free time. Yes. Good. It's pretty exciting. I'm happy for you guys. What about you? Um. In my free time, I love to read. I really do. I love to be outside as well and walking very slowly <laughs> in nature. Um, I like traveling and I love dogs tremendously. Um, my dog is not with us anymore, but my significant other has two dogs that are like ponies they're huge great pyrenees so i love spending time with them and cuddling with them and playing with them and you're thinking about getting a puppy i am thinking about yeah. getting a puppy yeah. very soon maybe not a puppy but a little bit older yeah a puppy is a lot of work. yeah i don't have the patience i'm finally sleeping so i don't want to be woken up at three in the morning <laughs> so we just had some different questions that we wanted to kind of throw out and get everyone's feedback abby you want to throw out the first one sure so ladies what do you all see as the benefits of having a private evaluation versus getting an evaluation through public independent school district well one thing we are pretty good about getting them scheduled and tested fairly quickly compared to the school district um, right yes. so yeah we're able i've always my clients are always really pleased with how quickly we're able to get them in do the testing and have the results i also think that one of the benefits is that you know working from the school perspective is that the school drives evaluations the majority of the time and so it's usually the school or the teachers mm -hmm. that are that are driving that or making those recommendations right and there's sometimes where the school doesn't see a lot of things that maybe parents see in the home mm -hmm. so i think one of the biggest benefits of the private evaluation is that it's it's the parent is driving that right mm -hmm. um it's what their concerns are with regards to their children and they're able to kind of pinpoint you know what they're looking for um and then we can just confirm that if if they were on the right track right mm -hmm. and they don't have to wait as you said christina like they're not having to wait you know the, the timeline of the school system right. right um they're able to kind of get that information um, in a fairly timely manner. So, right. yeah, I, and that timeline can really, you can really, really sucks up a school oh, year. Oh, yeah. I mean, if the school districts have 45 school days from the time you sign consent as a parent to get the evaluation done, when we're looking at school days, you know, that means they're taking out Saturday, Sunday, school holidays, spring break, spring break Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving break. <laughs> so it could be three or four months or more, depending on when you sign consent, to wait for the school to evaluate your child. So I do think, you know, seeking a private evaluation definitely expedites the evaluation process. We also, and with our company, have a very quick turnaround. You know, we try to make sure that we're meeting with clients and families to review the results about, you know, ten a week to 10 days after their assessments or their evaluations. And the sooner they can start getting those accommodations. That's right, and interventions that are necessary. I also think that I feel like being in the public schools versus be, being in a private practice and doing private evaluations, I feel like we're able to look more in depth at a preponderance of evidence and really analyze our hard you know, score data, parent input, our observations, our professional knowledge and expertise, 
and not necessarily have these set boundaries and guidelines. Like, you know, certain districts will say, okay, if they don't score below an 85 in any of their academic areas through the formal evaluation, and they don't have a pattern of strengths and weaknesses within their cognitive processing skills, they do not have a learning disability. Mm-hmm. Regardless of they're failing all of their tests, they can't pass the state-mandated test that measures their grade level skills, you know, the parents see them struggling and breaking down and crying at home. The teacher even will say, yes, he, you know, he or she struggles with reading or reading comprehension or math. Um, so it's frustrating. And not only can we really look at all of that data and make um, determinations based on the preponderance, we can also recommend interventions that can be started immediately, which I think is another benefit of private evaluations. Right, but you can also target those those interventions or when they're looking for other resources besides those services that can be done in the school is, you know, the, ki- the, the child will get a targeted intervention or a targeted plan in place because it's only for that child. Right. You know, in the school setting, you know, if, if you're getting a dyslexia service, you're, get, you're not getting one-on-one dyslexia services, right? You're getting a group service so everyone's kind of getting the same thing Mm -hmm. um and so you know while not everybody is able to get private therapy or private dyslexia services you know there is a distinct difference between what supports they could get or not get so i'm curious how frequently do you end up making a diagnosis that is different than the one the parent may have suspected so like the parent may think oh for sure my daughter has dyslexia and you find out "Mm, no it's actually xyz Mm -hmm. how often does that happen and kind of what are some of the most common common mis patterns yeah patterns yeah the one i see the most is oh you know it's dyslexia it has to be dyslexia and of and it's not their phonics are great um but maybe they're you know they we do see the struggle it's like never the parents never like crazy it's like yes we see what you're talking about but um you know if they were in dyslexia services they'd be bored because they were they have those skills but it's usually the visual processing that i see and it's not dyslexia which Parents, you know, they don't know what that is, so it, it's it's great to be able to explain to them, give them all of our resources, and it's usually a relief. <laughs> right. right. It's a lot easier to address. Right. It yeah. is. Right. I've had a couple where ADHD was not, like, the actual um, reason for the referral, but then when working with the child, you know, making those observations and, you know, really, because we were able to kind of pay attention to them for almost three to four hours straight mm-hmm. and really see how they act in their chair, how they respond to the questions. And so I've had about maybe two or three where even though the, the ADHD was not the referral concern, it was like, well, you know, I did notice some of these things. Do you mind if I go ahead and do the QB test to kind of see if maybe we can rule that out or rule that in <laughs> as maybe being the biggest difficulty that those that, that child may have? Um, so that sometimes does come to a surprise for parents, but mm-hmm. it a lot of times explains it all, you know. Sure. <laughs> right. Which, sorry to do this to you guys, I can't help but jump back for a moment to the last question because you both just shared something that is another advantage of private evaluations. The schools do not do, do not diagnose visual processing disorders, nor are they trained to identify them and diagnose them and schools do not typically diagnose ADHD as you know they might 
look at symptoms and say, we see some symptoms, but you need to go for another evaluation. Okay, so what are some of the most common misconceptions you hear about dyslexia? I think mine would be letter reversals. (laughs) (laughs) The main one. (laughs) Mostly that one and um, reading backwards. Reading backwards is what I see. Right. Do you hear any others? A lot of like... But then there's like the skipping lines, yes. mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. may not necessarily be mm-hmm. dyslexia. It could be visual processing, right? Um, or reading trans- very slowly. Yeah. Reading slowly, yeah. Struggling Transposition with- of oh. letters mm-hmm. and even in spelling. spelling. Yes. Spelling. We see a lot a of people one. that mm-hmm. struggle with spelling, so they come in pretty certain, even adults. Mm-hmm. Um, reading comprehension too. Very certain that it's dyslexia or right. They're struggling with reading comprehension and they think it's dyslexia Mm -hmm. or that they have a learning disability in reading comprehension. And oftentimes it is related to lack of attending to the the text they're reading. And then we look into, is there an attention deficit? So speaking of then, do you have any common misconceptions that you hear about ADHD? know about the misconceptions of ADHD? Well, a lot of the times, like, you think it's, those are the behavior kids. When you think ADHD, the ones that are constantly get in trouble. But I've noticed a lot of the females I get are the ones that are just perfect. Um, They sit there, they're quiet. Teachers are like, oh, no, she's fine. She's fine. But really, like, they look like females, their their movements are not distracting to others or distracting to even themselves even though they may have some of those wiggly tendencies Mm -hmm. you don't see a lot of the hyperactivity in females Mm -hmm. they're your daydreamers right the the head of the clouds you know or the wait what what did you say um but i agree with that that you know it's it's just motion that that adhd is just a person who's super hyper exactly right but not really acknowledging the uh impulsivity even or the inattentiveness which is you know which causes a lot of missed you know Mm -hmm. missed (laughs) diagnoses right or the executive function struggles Mm -hmm. executive function struggles yeah and i have a lot of parents as well um also just want to just say that it's attention deficit, that there is absolutely no hyperactivity um, involved. And so you kind of have to explain that even though that isn't involved, that that is still falls under that ADHD umbrella. Yeah, a lot of people get hung up on the ADHD. Well, but wait, we don't have the H, you mm-hmm. know, right. And we agree, that's why it's mostly an attentive type. Mm-hmm. And that is a little bit of a misconception. A lot of people still want the ADD label, which has been gone for a really long time. Mm-hmm. I also think um, we do see a lot of clients often... I think college students or or adults um, that suspect that they might have an autism spectrum disorder. And once we evaluate them and we look at their attention and maybe even hyperactivity, anxiety, depression, atypicality, all sorts of things, it turns out to be really ADHD and significant ADHD many times, but I think that they don't realize that there are many commonalities between autism spectrum disorders and ADHD, a lot of overlap in symptoms. And I think autism has been kind of a buzzword lately. A Mm -hmm. lot of people looking for a diagnosis in that, not realizing, like you said, how much they overlap. Mm -hmm. That's very true. 
Another buzzword that is going around much more frequently lately is dyscalculia, which is a specific learning disability in math. So have you guys heard of any misconceptions that people have regarding dyscalculia or dyscalculia? However, yeah, however yeah, you say yeah. it. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's pretty similar. Like they reverse their numbers, right? Or, you know, so instead of writing the six forward, right, it's backwards yes. or the three the other way. Um, mm-hmm. But, oh, go ahead. I was say, I think the biggest misconception is they think it's related to dyslexia. To dyslexia, yeah. Yeah. right. Like my child already has dyslexia. I'm pretty sure they also have dyslexia. Right. And it's all back to that whole reversing, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the dis part, too. Yeah, which doesn't, yeah. they're not related. I have they math just, dyslexia, you yeah. know, <laughs> I've heard people say, um, which, yeah, they're not related. Or they just can't do math, mm-hmm. you know, like that's the misconception. Well, they just can't do math. And there's a difference, you know, we talk about skill versus will, or is it truly a disability, you mm-hmm. know, and, you know, is there a label for what might be going on with math, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or are they with the attentiveness? Are exactly. they paying attention to the signs? Yeah, or are they gaps. just quickly mm-hmm. getting through? Yeah. that mm-hmm. you know yeah the gaps are big <laughs> there's a lot of yep. you know a lot of things that can go on you know when a child is working on the math that is not necessarily dyscalculia or may very well be um but um it's it's not just one thing or another right you have to look at a lot of different information um and get a big picture in order to make that determination but just to say like well you just no matter what we do we just can't add you know or just can't subtract well let's look can't at read an closet. analog clock that's mm-hmm. when we get a lot <laughs> or read a map and follow directions <clears throat> we get yeah. that a lot too mm-hmm. so um have you guys heard of or what are what would you say are some common misconceptions about getting support through their schools or colleges i mean and when i say schools it could be a private school a charter school or a public school and any colleges do you think there's any misconceptions that our clients or you're seeing that people have about getting support through schools or just issues with getting or support. issues with getting support. Or I've, I've had when I tell um, clients that they can also use like this report for any type of job test like cops will come in for their test they're always so shocked like mm-hmm. oh really like licensing yeah. yeah certification mm-hmm. exams licensing yes. exams yep I think also People, you know, I hear some parents that they're scared to, quote unquote, label their child. You know, it might be detrimental (coughs) when, in fact, I think we all probably uh, believe and agree that diagnosing is the first step to intervening and getting the appropriate support you need. Exactly. Well, and they're afraid that the help that they get will be a crutch. A crutch, that's And that they're not going to get this for the rest of their lives. I don't want to give them to, you know, why would we give it now? They just need to suck it up. Right. Basically. Well, and being concerned about what, you know, what... Where, what, where they would be placed when they're in the school setting, right? Because you've got that the 504, mm-hmm. you've got the special education, you know, and then the stigma that comes with one or the other, you know, but a lot of parents get really concerned when you even say special education, you know, they could mm-hmm. be eligible for that, you know, if that's a route they want to pursue, you know, and that does, you know, scare them a little bit because mm-hmm. of the, the labeling mm-hmm. and the categorizing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and they associate it with a bad thing when a lot of times it's actually super beneficial mm-hmm. for the kids to get the support that they need. Right. I agree. I yes. have parents who also were like afraid, like the, um, the diagnosis of Rinder in terms of dyslexia and ADHD inattentive. 
they're like, are they going to accept the inattention part? Like, can we just do the dyslexia? Because they feel that if the school looks at the ADHD part, they're not going to want their child to continue to be in that school because they're going to look at it as a disruptive mm-hmm. behavior child. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is inattentive. And it's like, but are you sure they're going to accept the report? I was like, I assure you. Yes. Like, if not, just contact us mm-hmm. and we'll do what we can on our end to kind of explain to the school, you know, what exactly, what it means exactly mm-hmm. and how it actually impacts the child. A lot of parents are concerned about that ADHD label. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their kid being kind of pegged as a disruptor. Yep. Yep. And and I also think, too, even adults that come to get a, an evaluation and want to possibly seek workplace accommodations, um, I think there is a misconception that you're not going to be able to get the job or keep the job or keep that you know, position within your company that they're going to judge you and treat you differently because they, you have a disability. When in fact, they should be happy that you're asking for support so that you can do your, you can function to the very best of your ability, right? What are some of the most common questions or concerns you might hear from parents or even some of the adult clients about the evaluation process? Like, what do they come in and do they have concerns or or maybe they don't? Hopefully they don't have too many. Mm -hmm. My number one question, especially for like adults that's well seasoned, you know, Mm -hmm. they'll come like, do you get individuals like me all the time? Or but it's a good thing because we're able to, you know, provide you with the assistance that you need. Yeah, so adults are a little <laughs> self conscious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, that question that's been looming over your mind for the last ten years. I mean, it's pretty we can give those evaluations to determine, you know, hey, yes, something might have been going on long ago. And you're wanting to find out more about how to help yourself and Mm -hmm. how to be successful in your workplace. And there's just a lot we could determine. Yeah, I think turning it into a positive. And not not be targeting the wrong things. You know, so if you're looking for support or medication even or, Mm -hmm. you know, some kind of a treatment, you know, really being able to actually target the area of your weakness and not just, well, let's try this, let's try this, let's try Mm -hmm. this. It's like, oh, we figured it out. You have ADHD. This is the medicine for that. Mm -hmm. Instead of like, well, I tried depression medications and anxiety medications and they never helped me. It was because you had ADHD and needed an ADHD medication. And then that like would have fixed some of the other things Mm -hmm. as well. right? And to learn some strategies to to manage your ADHD and improve your skills. I think adults too, I think often are concerned about finding out maybe they're they're dumb, quote unquote dumb, yeah. or they're not as smart as they think they are, or not as capable. And truthfully, in my experience, testing individuals, the most tears I've seen haven't even been from young children. They're usually adults, and oftentimes female adults. Um, because I think, you know, just throughout the evaluation process, they start thinking, am I doing as well as I should be doing? Did I answer that right? Am I, you know, they start, and then they start feeling worried because they struggled. They don't realize that we have to keep going until they miss maybe, you know, so many in a row. So I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of vulnerable, vulnerability in a person when they know there's something wrong, but they can't figure out what it is Mm -hmm. or they have an idea of what it is, but they, they can't really put it into words or communicate what that is. 
And so I think like you do struggle like with relationships, right? You do struggle with peers because you're, you make yourself vulnerable because you know, there's something going on, but you don't know how to convey that. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's some sense of relief when you finally like, Oh, this whole time, it wasn't really me. It was because I have this. And now that I know this, you know, I can be stronger. I can say, Mm -hmm. okay, you know, I don't have to be, you know, kind of guard, guard myself. Right. I can stand up for myself and say, Hey, like, I'm not going to submit anymore Mm -hmm. or be weak anymore because like, I can I can fix this or right. can, you know target it or whatever. You can learn can. strategies. There for, you yeah. Yeah. So that kind of leads better. to our next question about the responses um, mm-hmm. that you get when you do deliver the results to some to either a parent or an adult client. What are some of the things that you frequently hear? Um, yes. Yeah. Validating. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. something they already knew, and it's they're thankful to like see it. It's mm-hmm. their, I told you so too yeah. to some people. Like mm-hmm. I told you, but you didn't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> and there's go ahead. Yeah, yeah, there's sometimes too when they're they're recognizing some of the things they experienced in childhood. So they're actually mm-hmm. going back and trying to just saying, Oh yeah, they're describing me when I was that age. Yes, we get a lot of that from we parents. Do. Yes. And I feel like a lot of the responses I think overall they're they're pretty mm-hmm. you know historically positive. positive people are really pleased and happy to find out oh that's what it is right. okay i'm not dumb i'm not lazy i'm not a slacker right. i have this learning disability and i have this adhd or whatever it may be and i think we give i hear a lot of parents say you've given me hope because now i know that now i know how to treat my child essentially or how they're going to learn best or what they need. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's giving that. And I do, I put a lot of weight in mom gut. So I think the validation thing is awesome when Mm -hmm. the mom's like, I knew there was something. I didn't know what, Absolutely. but I knew there was something. Right. And and honestly, I would have to say being new, you know, and coming straight from a district into the private sector, I, I'm quite, you know, impressed at how many of the referrals are actually pretty accurate as far as the parents' concerns mm-hmm. go. They know I kids. actually had very few that that didn't match their concern, you mm-hmm. know, and they, they're very valid. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I always think, yeah, like, well, that's why they're here. That's why they opted to go this route is because, you they know, they yeah. just, you know, they know their child more than better than any, anyone right. else, exactly. right? Um, and so I feel so great about that when I'm working with these families, you know, just to confirm you know, their suspicions, um, that they're also not just, you know, um, I don't know, just want to say like that they just feel validated in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that again, the majority of the ones I know that I've gotten, um, have been valid. So, yeah. so, so moving from sharing the findings and the diagnoses that, that the evaluation showed, what advice do you give parents about sharing the results of the evaluation with their child? And give some examples of maybe how you can explain a a learning disability to an elementary age child or versus a high school age child or a college age student. That's a great What's your advice on first? I think let's start with what's your advice on giving. So I did have a parent giving ask the results. me, um, you know, how do we tell the family? How do we tell his brothers? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell his brothers. I would talk to him first, you know, and explain dyslexia um, 
to him and you know what what it means and what kind of support he will be getting for this um and then you ask him you know would you like to share that information with your siblings Mm -hmm. um because he may not want to Mm -hmm. um he might not want them to know and i think it would be a very uh it could be i I think personally it would be traumatic just to just blurt that out you know Mm -hmm. by the way you know he has dyslexia you know and they're not going to know what that means right right? what about those parents that you meet with and they say oh I'm not going to tell my child I don't I don't want to tell my child I don't think he or she should know I think it will be you know traumatic or you know hurt their self-esteem yeah I think it's unfair to the child because they, they know that something mm-hmm. is not right mm-hmm. with them. So now that you've brought them to the place to get the evaluation complete and we have the results, the right thing is to is to share it with the child. You just have to explain it in terms where they want to stand. And my prime example is be honest with them. Show them the bell curve that I presented to you and show them where the scores fall between mm-hmm. 90 and 109 and say, okay, look at your scores. Look where your scores fall. See, yes, you're strong when it comes to the cognitive skills, but you have difficulty with the academics. So come to find out, based on the results of the evaluation, it's because you have difficult time paying attention in the classroom. So mm-hmm. that's what's causing you not to not to perform to your full potential cognitively. Mm-hmm. And I think it will make a world of a difference. But definitely be honest with the child. Give them some visuals. Explain mm-hmm. to them so that they can know exactly what you're talking about. Show them their strengths. Yes. Capitalize on their strengths. I agree. Because as you, as we were talking about, sorry, Abby, um, that whole I I knew there was something wrong, but I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And I would, if I would have known back then, you know, things could have gone differently mm-hmm. for me. Well, that's that's the same premise, right? Is right. you tell yeah. them then, so then later they're not like, oh, this whole time, you know, right. I didn't know, right. and I just felt very bad true. about myself. Because yeah. if your child is struggling in school in any area or any subject, no matter how old they are. If they're school age, they are having some internal dialogue going on in their head with themselves. Like, why am I having such a hard time with this and the boy sitting next to me isn't? Or what's wrong with me? Why am I so forgetful? Why am I so dumb? Why am I so... So I think it is... I I agree. It's important to tell them, Charlotte. So what what advice would you give a parent who is considering a private evaluation for their child? They're considering it or they're looking at, should I go through the school district or should I go private? What advice would you give them? I would say definitely go for it. (laughs) Wait, say that again. What would you say? Definitely go for it. Go for it. Yes. Yes. The reason being is because at least with the private um, evaluation, you're going to get the results pretty quickly. But just because you're getting them quickly doesn't mean it's not going to be rushed. It's not going to be a rushed evaluation. Mm -hmm. It's just that... Um, the evaluators, of course, know what they're doing, and we can get to that child's need immediately, like pretty quicker than you can in the school district because you don't have all these extra, you know, days and everything that can take them a while. The paperwork to process. Child. Yeah, we don't yes. necessarily have to fit yeah. into, the into the boxes mm-hmm, right. that the public school does. You know, we have a little bit more flexibility with being able to identify those weaknesses. And I would say do your research, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and and call for and see if you can get a consultation, talk to somebody, get your questions answered and make sure that, you know, the questions you have about your child, you'll get answers to. I think you mm-hmm. want to feel like where you're going, you're going to get the information that you need. I agree. And th- I think there's a, there's a lot of 
people and resources and companies out there that say that they can, you know, help you with your learning struggles or determine if you do struggle um, in math or if you do have dyslexia or I mean there are things there's tests you can take online that will tell you yes you it looks like you have dyslexia or it looks like you have ADHD so along with those lines with doing your research make sure that they are actually trained to do a formal evaluation they have the knowledge and expertise to administer those tests and to interpret the results and that that they're actually going to give you an actual diagnosis and not say we suspect you have dyslexia now go and get an evaluation <laughs> and we, and we don't have the, the barrier of the response to intervention that is is actually a huge barrier in the school districts the where schools, yeah. well have they tried this first you know uh, we don't have that criteria you you know if you want the evaluation we will do the evaluation and that's what we solely focus on um, whereas diagnosticians in the school setting have to they handle a lot of other responsibilities yes. as well mm-hmm. right so yeah. they're you know they're working That's with true. several kids or at the same time almost you know the same day and um but i think we because we're able to, to just like hone in and focus on that child yes. um without any other distractions or any mm-hmm. other obligations that we have you know it's just so much uh, a more comprehensive evaluation that we can do true and, yeah. and we're not rushing it and get them back them. to class for lunch time, or you know, for our time right. are completely different you know yeah. where you don't have those interruptions throughout the school day fire drills you know all those things i really enjoy that yeah mm-hmm. okay so last question then you're off the hook. What is one thing that you've learned working as a diagnostician in private practice that you didn't actually learn through the public schools or even when you were in school? What's something you've learned since you've been doing testing privately? Um, visual processing for me. Like, honestly, coming from a school district, I have, I when I started working here and started learning more about the visual processing, I had so many kids I tested in the school come up in my brain like yeah oh my god like that's what it was I bet that's and I like want to reach back out like hey I know. <laughs> <laughs> just go check this out yeah definitely exposure to um, other assessment batteries like because mm-hmm. I was on an elementary level and had an opportunity to evaluate um, secondary students and adults really just gave me a lot of aha moments I'm mm-hmm. like wow I didn't know like this was even available so Definite extra exposure. That's awesome. And just definite knowledge, too, with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, you know, what to look for, all of the different signs that they children exhibit um, has just been a new learning experience for me. And ways to evaluate for ADHD. Ways to evaluate. Definitely. I love the QB test. Mm -hmm. It just, I didn't know anything about it before I came on board. And Mm -hmm. and to know that there's another way to make a determination that isn't just a survey. Right. Right. Like we're, we need some like actual, like hard data. data, (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, we sit there for that time period watching which is no one does that in the in the real world and you know even at home you're not watching your child for you know 20 30 minutes straight just to see what they're doing within that time period you know and i so i that was for me that was my that's all yes and all the executive functioning measures as well Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. true very nice well i want to add for me is the immediate feedback once you Mm -hmm. reach out to your supervisors, if you will, yes. <laughs> when you have questions and concerns, because you don't have to wait 
you know, days or mm-hmm. even weeks sometimes, like, mm-hmm. they respond, like, pretty much almost yeah. immediately. Yeah. <laughs> it does, it does, not, beyond, it does not go beyond 24 hours, so right. I will yeah. say that. So the support and the An feedback hour. makes a big difference. I like that we have the team and that we can bounce ideas off each other, and if you've got a question about a student, we can reach out and we can brainstorm together, and it's definitely something that... In the school setting, I feel like everyone's so busy to try to get five minutes of somebody's time is Mm -hmm. near impossible. You're like on an island all alone, right? Well, thank you guys so much for doing this. This has been so fun, and it's awesome to have all this extra knowledge and experience to to share with our listeners instead of it just coming from Lori or me or, you know, some of our professional guests we've had I mean you guys are the meat and potatoes in our in our evaluation company in our business you're you're on the front line so thank you so much for sharing and for being here with us today well thank Thank you you yes and thank you to our listeners we hope that this was beneficial to you in some way and that you enjoyed it If you have any questions or any suggestions for topics for future episodes, please do not hesitate to email us at letstalklearningdisabilities at gmail.com. And if you would like to access our podcast website, it's www.ltldpodcast.com. And there you can see all of the episodes we've recorded this far in chronological order. You can even choose by category and choose to listen to podcasts related to whichever category you click on. So it's great resource. Be sure to come back and listen in two weeks when we start our new series where we've interviewed some parents about their experiences with their kids with different learning disabilities. We have finished all the interviews. I think it's going to be incredible. So I'm super excited as we put that together. So thank you all for being here. Have a great day. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. In our show notes, you can find information about today's talk as well as links to resources and other episodes. If you have questions about today's talk, have ideas for future episodes, or just want to stay connected, you can contact us through Diagnostic Learning Services on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So, let's keep talking learning disabilities. This podcast is sponsored by eDiagnostic Learning. You can find more information at www.ediagnosticlearning.com.